Well, good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you all. Hope you're having a nice week. Um, if you want, we'll, uh, we'll stand up, we'll pray, and we'll praise God. Thank you, Father, for this morning, uh, for this building, for us, the church to gather in. Uh, just as we praise you this morning, as we hear your word, uh, may your will be done in our lives, in our church, in our city, God. Um, we lift all things up to you. Uh, we praise you. We're grateful for good and bad because we know that you're in all of it. And uh, just uh, give us ears to hear your word today, your message to us. So we love you, we praise you, and give this time to you. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. Our Father, who art in heaven, the rocks cry out your fame. Come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. And I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song to the Lord. And let your kingdom come, let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, every eye will pray the mercy of your name. On earth as it is in heaven, God give us new every morning. Mercy is daily. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us with your hand. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Father, we pray. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song to you, Lord. And let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on 
Hey, good morning. Everybody turn around and wave to somebody. Uh, well, once everybody's done, you guys can have a seat. I've got a couple announcements. Um, some exciting news. Um, we're continuing with the kids' ministry and redoing and reopening some things. Um, but I want to make the announcement that middle school and high school, we will be meeting for youth group in person on October 4th at 630 here at the church. Uh, masks will be required. Um, and then every other week we'll be meeting in person and in between weeks we will be doing Zoom at 730. So we'll have announcements on social media and be able to give some stuff to the kids on October 4th. Uh, along with that, we want to invite everybody um, in the FCC Kids and Student Ministries and families to our Corn Maze um, event on October 11th at 4 p.m. Um, the cost is going to be between $8 and $10, depending on how many people we have. If we have 20 or more, it will be $8. If not, it'll be $10. Um, so exciting time just for us to fellowship, social distance, stay safe, but also have some fun. Um, Next one is we will be participating, uh, if anybody, that's not the one I had next, but all right. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll be participating in the Treat of Trails um, at the Salem Parks is present, putting on, um, handing out candy. Um, there is a box in the back of the worship center for donations of candy that we can hand out. So if you're interested, please put it in the box back there by October 18th. And then the next, I can't do this by myself. Um, I do have a few volunteers. We, we can't do it on our own. So we're looking for volunteers to help Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, um, you know, basically from pre-K all the way up to high school. So if you're interested, talk to me, talk to the office, um, talk to one of the elders, see us, and we'll plug you in. So anything else? So I'll hand it over to whoever. The kids can go downstairs now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, it's really cool to see uh, Matt and, and the volunteers and, 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 and the staff, everybody uh, get involved in helping the kids uh, get reengaged with uh, the programming that we have here at First Christian. Uh, so uh, last week, we figured we'd get about 10 kids. We had 13. We thought that was very promising. Uh, so we want to keep building on that. Uh, Matt is doing a fantastic job just uh, bringing uh, a lot of energy and a lot of expertise to this and leadership. 
Uh, but he does need help. We all need uh, volunteers to help out with the kids. And if uh, you're interested in, in doing that, please let the office know and we can see if we can find a place for you in, in, that, in that light. <clears throat> but isn't it nice to see uh, kids sort of get back online here? And uh, obviously, you can't keep kids contained, so there's a number of things that Matt's got uh, planned for engaging them, <coughs> excuse me, this fall. And, <coughs> well, um, it's great to be outside, but as you know, allergies are, are a thing as well. Uh, but um, it, uh, it, it's pretty cool to see that kind of life happen again. Well, uh, just please be praying about that and just the... Uh, the well-being of our church and our people as we get back online again. Um, the elders have been meeting uh, weekly, uh, trying to get more grounded in Scripture, uh, asking a lot of questions about how we uh, teach people about the Word of God and how we uh, not only do that, but, but engage our, our people for works of service in this season. And beyond that, what is it that God is telling uh, our church uh, is the, are, are the needs within the community, and so our mission is hopefully getting uh, re, restarted as well. So there's a lot of things that are happening sort of underneath the hood that you may not be aware of, and I think that's pretty awesome. And the message series that, um, that I'm doing right now really has a lot to do with the things that are happening underneath the hood, so to speak. And, and I want to just move into that space here in just a second. Uh, but before we do, I'd just like to ask you to bow with me. And uh, let's take this time before the Lord. Father, we are so grateful for all of those who could gather with us, both here uh, in, the, in the physical sense and in spirit online. We are thankful, Father, for how you touch our lives and you help us, Lord, uh, each step of the journey. We thank you, Father, for being at work in uh, the leaders over our kids and for just enabling them to uh, do those things that will draw them into uh, a place where they can have conversations about who you are and maybe as it relates to what our kids are going through right now. And as we just expand that out into the realm of parents and teachers, we pray that you would help them through this time as well because of the vital role that they're playing uh, in their lives as ones that they look up to. And you know the stresses and you know the things that are happening in, uh, in, in the broader circle of our schools. And we pray that you would be there in the midst of all of the chaos that is happening. And that in this chaos, you'd be doing a good work in each of us. So we just want to lift this time in your word up to you, Lord, and make that the central focus of our hearts and our minds uh, for the next several minutes. So we dedicate this time to you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a, just a quick update. Some of you have been asking me about Christian, who is in the Republic of Georgia right now, and he's been in quarantine, but he's out of quarantine, and he's been reunited with his uh, his 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 dog, Quevrico, uh, whom he rescued on the side of the road right before he, he left as a puppy. And uh, the dog's gotten quite a bit bigger. And as a matter of fact, um, uh, he's uh, uh, rebonding with, uh, with Quevrico, and so far so good. However, uh, there's a cat that seemed to have uh, come into the mix at the same time. And I said, where did the cat come from? And he said, well, pretty much on the side of the road where we got the dog. And he showed me some pictures of the cat, and I should have 
put them up on the screen. But basically, you, if you can imagine a six-month, six-week-old cat uh, beating up a seventh-month-old dog, that's what you have. So every, we all have our problems, don't we? And uh, I'm glad that those are pretty much the extent of what he's dealing with right now. So I want to express that because I know people have asked and your prayers have been really appreciated. Well, uh, speaking of, uh, of him, about a year ago at this time, uh, there was a piece of property right next door to us that had been abandoned for 10 years, and it went up for sale. And Christian said, um, I want to buy that property. It was about four acres. And I said, well, where are you going to get the money? And he said, well, I got a little bit from a Grammy who passed away a couple years ago. And uh, I know my siblings have a little bit of money. So I figure that um, I can tap into that uh, that, that resource, which he did, and uh, he purchased this property. Now, if you've ever seen property that's been abandoned for 10 years, it's about four acres, you can only imagine what kind of chaos that uh, it, it, it has. And so when we walked over there, we couldn't even walk on it because there were so many um, uh, thistles and thorns and and sticker bushes and all of that that I said, <laughs> do you know what you're getting into? And so for the past year, uh, he's been working on it a lot. In my free time, I've been helping him out. And it's just been a long, long journey of cleaning everything up. And you don't realize sometimes when you jump into something how much is involved. But it was interesting. Whenever it came up for sale, he had a couple other people that he was competing with. And he said, I want to get it for under the value, but I also want to beat those guys. And I said, well, good luck with that. And as it turned out, um, he made an offer to the bank, and he was able to, um, to dial it into the right spot. And he, he got it, and he was so excited because it was now his. And I've been thinking about all the work that we put into this property and the countless hours and things like that. And I realized something that uh, it's not easy sometimes to get things in order the way you want them. It takes a lot of persistence and a lot of perseverance. And sometimes a lot of people don't even know what is happening in the background whenever things like that are occurring. And in the case of this property, uh, the whole front frontage part of it was just overrun with all of these brambles and thistles and dead trees and all of this stuff, which we thought, we're going to wait and do that last so that whenever we get it all cleared out and, it, and you're able to see the rest of the property, you can see just how much work was done. Well, I was contact, we were contacted by somebody from Green Township saying, when are you going to get that property cleaned up? And we're like, if you only knew... So um, we were able to get the front of it uh, cleaned up a while back, and uh, it looks tons better. But it was a little frustrating when we were contacted by the township when they said, when are you going to get that property cleaned up? When is it going to be where it needs to be? And I thought about that relative to what I want to share today, and that is God without question loves you just where you're at, desires to have you incorporated into his family, and has done a pretty big, major undertaking of persistence and time and energy and attention that led to the revealing of his son so that his son could rescue us. He paid a price for us, and he bought us because he was so excited 
that one day he would be able to obtain the rights to our lives once again. And if you know the biblical story, you know those rights were forfeited a long time ago in the garden. And that may or may not make sense to you, but hopefully as you tune into the things of the Lord and you read the scripture, you find that that is a central part of who we are and why we're a church. But when Jesus looks at you and I, he is excited in that moment whenever he's able to see us begin to move towards him. And then take the steps where we're saying, I want to identify with you, Lord Jesus, in your death, burial, and resurrection. And I want to be like you. And I know that gives God so much joy. But what I also want to share with those who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, that there's a lot of work to be done. And it starts on day one with each of us, and we sometimes don't even realize it. But God is actually getting us ready for an unveiling where everyone will see his glory in our, 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 eye, our lives and, and, and in our faces as we reflect more and more his image. But in the meantime, sometimes we're a lot like that frontage property where we're not on the, on the outside looking at the, the project that God is doing in each of our lives. We're not really privy to what is happening in the background until things begin to open up or until we get to know that person or until we begin to see how God is working in their lives or even more importantly, when we start to pray for them and ask God to work in their lives and to show more of himself and to help them along and to challenge them where they need challenged. And that really is a big part of what God is doing in your life and mine because, truth be told, there's a lot of brambles in our lives. There's a lot of brush that needs to be cleared. There are things that, honestly, get in the way where you can't even go down the path anymore. And God is saying, I'm cleaning all of that out because I'm envisioning a day when we will be remade into a, a glorious representation of our Lord Jesus. That's some pretty awesome stuff. And if you've ever seen anybody go through a renovation with a house or with a property, you perhaps remember what it was like in its feral state, and then you can also envision currently how it's been restored or remade or re reset. And sometimes we, we just we forget. And one thing that happened in the history of the people of God known as Israel was God was basically doing a lot of brush clearing and he was doing a lot of um, uh, landscape redesign, so to speak. And when he called the nation of Israel, they were pretty rough. And if you read through the book of Judges, you can just see how rough they were. But he calls them not only uh, as a people, but as a people who will now inhabit a space. And that space will actually begin to take on the, the holiness and the characteristics of the people that he's taken on as well. And that we know as the promised land. <clears throat> now when Moses, fast forwarding a little bit, uh, hands a baton to, jo to, to Joshua, and Joshua goes in and they start to clean up 
all of the pollution in the land that the Canaanites had created. Eventually, it gets to a place where King David establishes the kingdom once and for all. And it's a glorious moment when everything that God envisioned for a people and a place to start to take on the shape that was his vision. And King Solomon, who was just remarkably gifted in administration, in being able to take civic projects and to put shine on them, as well as create the, the temple where God would be, uh, his presence would be located. So much was just renovation, ground clearing, reestablishing, putting things in order. And as that was happening, there was another force at work that was undoing everything. And as David set up the kingdom and Solomon created the temple and he basically did the infrastructure that was necessary for the place to function well, well, then it started to go south. And as it did, there was a, a, a son named Rehoboam and there was uh, another king named Jeroboam, and the thing just started to break up to where you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And all of a sudden, the vision that God had for what he had established is starting to fall apart. And we read this, and we're asking God, what is the relevance of all of this story? We just want to know about Jesus. But what God wants to show you and I is there is a pattern here at work where he is creating in you and I uh, a, a reset, a redo, just like we read by analogy what he did with his people. And there was a king in First Corinthians or First Kings, uh, fifteen, named Asa, and Asa was pretty tuned in to what was happening in God's program for his people, and he realized that the land had started to fall back into idolatry, and it was getting polluted. And even in the king's household, there were things that were not right. And so here's what Asa did. It says uh, in 1 Kings 15, 11 and following, Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord because he understood what the Lord was up to, as his father David had done, because David understood what his what the father was up to. And so he expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. He even deposed his grandmother, Makah, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Asa cut it down and burned it in the Kidron Valley. And if you're interested to know what's going on and want to dig a little deeper, just look up the word Asherah, and it'll tell you everything you probably never wanted to know about child sacrifice, about really bad and dark things that had taken hold again. And as he did that, cleaning house like he did, the scripture tells us that this man after God's own heart did not remove the high places which were the places where people went to worship other than at the temple in Jerusalem. Asa's heart was fully committed, yet Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. Now, let me just give you a little bit more Bible background, if, if you'll just bear with me for a second. Because these high places that are being mentioned are actually places that are a 
a substitute to worshiping God in the temple in Jerusalem. It would be like coming to church and saying, uh, I want to worship the Lord in church, and then leaving here and going to a space where, I don't know, people are sacrificing animals or cats or practicing witchcraft, doing things that are very occultic and very demonic. And in essence, that was happening with the people of God. They were going to Jerusalem, but then they were going to these high places. And what were these high places? Well, as I mentioned, there was a King Jeroboam who said, we're going to take 10 of the tribes, and we're not going to meet with God's people in Jerusalem and in Judea. And essentially, all the tribes left, followed Jeroboam with the exception of Judah and Benjamin. Hopefully you're still with me. And as, as that occurred, Jeroboam set up his own high places. And archaeology shows us what those high places are. I don't know if we got any, any graphics that we can, we can, we can uh, demonstrate up there. Uh, this is one of them. This is a, a, a temple that Jeroboam had set up way off in the north in a, in a region called Dan. And you can e archaeologists can actually say, this is where this was occurring. And so that's a rendition of what you currently see today, and we'll just show the next slide real quickly. And that's essentially what's left of it. But clearly it's a high place. And then in the history of God's people, there was uh, a, a, another, uh, I, I guess, very dramatic moment that happened in Deuteronomy 28 through 32 where people are getting set up and God says, if you obey me and you live a life that is godly, if you orient your life around my, my way, you will be blessed. But if you choose to go your own way, disregard me, and start to follow other ways of thinking that will lead you into idolatry, you'll be cursed. And there were two mountains, and there was a valley called Shechem that the, that the mountains um, uh, uh, surrounded. And on the, on, the, on the right side is Mount Ebal, and on the left side is Mount Gerizim. And from Mount Gerizim, if we can show that slide as well next, uh, you, can, you can see uh, Mount Gerizim, which was lush, and it was verdant, and it had all kinds of plant life at the time. And it was a place where people stood, and they, and they shouted to the people on Mount Ebal what the blessings of God's were. They went through that whole list in Deuteronomy 28 and following. And on the other side was a kind of a deserty mountain, and it represented the barrenness of living a life apart from God, and that was Mount Ebal. And so down in Shechem, they say that it is a perfectly acoustically tuned place where you could easily hear what was being spoken on either side. And what God did was he sort of choreographed this so that they would have this in, the, in their mind, a production that happened that they would never forget. And it was just a way of reminding them who they were, and whose they are. So if you go, if you go on the, uh, let's, let's jump a couple of slides ahead, and just, just uh, for the purpose of illustration, if you look at the lushness on the left and the barrenness on the right, one is blessing and the other one is cursing. And the cursing basically occurs the moment that God is removed from the picture. And the blessing happens the moment that God is embraced by his people. And I like that imagery because it reminds us that we have two choices here. But what also uh, 
maybe you need to keep in mind as well as things developed and things went south, Jeroboam and other kings that followed him actually set up a high place on Mount Ebal on the right that archaeologists discovered. And it was sort of like we are being pulled spiritually to this place where we announce cursings and we need to build a place of worship up there. Isn't that odd? But the fact of the matter is, if you don't maintain your spiritual life and you don't consistently keep moving towards the Lord, you'll find yourself being pulled back by those forces. Now, one thing I discovered about helping Christian clear his land was with all of these briars and brambles and thorn bushes, uh, a bush hog takes care of that really, really fast. But I also discovered that if you don't engage the, the bush hog or brush hog uh, you know, in a few months, guess what? It all comes back. And this I didn't even think about until I took Nigel for a walk. And Nigel's poor legs are only about that long. And I'm like, let's go through here. And he's like, uh-uh. So I'm like, why? And then I'm like, oh, it's coming back. You see, you can't just think that you've arrived and it's all good. You have to keep things maintained and hopefully in the process continue to develop them in a good way. And essentially, that's what God is doing in your life and mine. But this pandemic has been kind of interesting, hasn't it? Because it's disrupted all of the routines that we typically bundle into our lives where we engage with the things of God in a rhythmic way, and all that's sort of been erased. But it's also caused us to ask the question, am I falling away from the things of the Lord, or am I being pulled back to the things of the Lord? And some of us are realizing that we need to be in those social spaces where the things of the Lord are being encouraged. And isn't it nice to come to church and just talk to people around you? There's just like a God sense about that. There is something very special about being part of God's family. There's a, a way of identifying with our faith that is socially so, so interconnected. But let's get back to the kings for just a second because Asa was not socially very popular whenever he went and he destroyed all of this stuff that was creating a lot of hindrances for people to worship God as they had been called to. He was making a lot of people angry, including his grandmother, because he kicked her out and said, and I'm not, please don't take this as, pastor said they kicked out grandma. Well, you know, grandma's been kind of annoying lately. What do you think? No, no, that's not where I'm going with this. So if you're thinking that, please, be nice to grandma. Okay? But what Asa was doing was essentially clearing all the brush out so that the good things of God could inhabit those spaces. And I think you and I have, if we're here today, 
we're aware that that's happening in our lives. God calls us to repent, which means to basically turn away from those things that are cluttering your life, that are getting in the way for God to move in your life, those things that actually you set up as high places. Whenever Asa did all of this wonderful work, Scripture says, however, he didn't get rid of the high places. And this was a problem. And it's weird because there's a conflict or there's a tension going on in his life that this Bible doesn't really elaborate on, but basically says he did the ground clearing, but he didn't get rid of all the, all the brambles. And they may come back. And he needs to deal with them. And when the Bible talks about high places, usually it's a place where idolatry happens, but it also is a place where it's a high priority in a person's life. It is a place where we dedicate time and energy and attention to that basically says, in my order of priorities, this is very important. And sometimes God says, you know, that addiction... That obsession, that compulsion, that thing that keeps cropping up that you dedicate time and energy and attention to, well, it's kind of getting in the way. And we need to do something about it. And I think every believer has in their life a high place that they're trying to deal with. And if they get rid of one, there may be another one that comes up. And basically, it's just that continual conflict that we have of dedicating our time and energy and attention to the things of the Lord or dedicating our time and energy and attention to things that are just distractions. And I really like King Asa and what he did. But I also like the fact that this included the fact that he wasn't a perfect human being. And I've had people say, I will come to church pastor if, well, if I can get my house in order. But the thing is, just like Christian buying this property, Jesus says, I'm not interested in you getting everything ready to showcase before I come into your life. I would just like to come into your life right now. And if I do, then we'll go to work on all that stuff. So whoever you are, if you are afraid that lightning bolts are going to come down and hit you when you gather in this place, just be at peace with the fact that God is not concerned about you being perfectly spiritually firing on all cylinders before you come. He loves us the way we are. But he loves us enough that he keeps working in our lives to become those people that he envisions us to become. And as we read this story from way back when, we know that it says in Numbers 15, or first, first Kings 15, 14, that Asa didn't destroy the high places but if you hearken back to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, the book of Numbers kind of reflects on that a little bit. And it says, when you go into the Holy Land, destroy all of this stuff, and especially demolish the high places that have been set up. So there was sort of a mandate that 
Worship is solely and exclusively to happen in one place, and that is Jerusalem. Now, as believers, that doesn't really resonate with you and I as much because it's shifted as far as where our hearts are supposed to be. And there's only one person that is the center of our worship, and that is our Lord Jesus. And it isn't, he's an object, and we worship him like, a, uh, like maybe wearing a cross with his, with his uh, depiction on it, but it's more like an ongoing relationship where he is there with us every step of the way. We, we, we learn to trust him and talk to him and in him find the strength to overcome and perhaps demolish those high places. Now, last week, if you were with us, we, we, we shared from the scripture how it, it said that um, we, we, uh, we take every pretension and every falsehood and everything that has been set up in kind of a high place against the things of God, and we demolish them, taking every thought captive for the lordship of Jesus. And in many ways, this is a reference to what is going on here today. And I know that a lot of us are experiencing COVID confusion, and we kind of forget the way things have been ordered in our lives or the rhythm. You know, when spring happens and you're not used to mowing your grass all winter, and then you drive home and you're like, there's something different about our grass. Our neighbors looks really good, but oh yeah, it's time, isn't it? We got to mow the grass, don't we? And you get into that sense of, oh yeah, I've got to change my habits. I've got to reorient my schedule. And I think God is doing that with you and I. But I also think that the other thing that has happened in the last six months for a number of us is God has brought to the surface our high places. And he said to each of us, you know this thing that you haven't paid much attention to? Well, I'm going to let you pay it. It's going to be front and center for a while, and you're not going to like it. As a matter of fact, you're not going to like it that I'm bringing this up. It's going to anger you and it's going to frustrate you because, you know, we know the Bible says the truth will set you free, but first it will make you mad. It doesn't say it make you mad, but I know it does. And God is saying to us, what is it that you've seen in the last six months in your life that has been getting in the way of our relationship with each other? of our relationship with other people. And chances are, it could very well be a high place. Well, I think there are probably, there, there's a lot of ways to say, how do I know, Pastor, that there is a high place in my life that I need to eliminate? Well, just speaking from experience, I know that there are high places that sometimes happen when, when you've accomplished something or you've achieved something or you've done something right. And an extreme example of that would be, I know in the last few years, and I'm ashamed to say it, uh, but there have been pastors, there have been a lot of good pastors who've kept the faith, but there have been some pastors who it's come out, oh, they've had an affair, 
or they've used power wrongly, or they've taken money from the church. And God's kind of called these people out, and they've had to own it. And a lot of these guys have had to go into counseling, and counselors have said without naming names that typically what happens is these high-achieving individuals will say, look at all the good that we've been able to do. Look at all the good that I've been able to do. I can allow myself this one thing, and it'll be okay. And that's sort of how they rationalize it. Now, I'm certainly not in that category of mega pastor or anything like that, but I do know this. It, it, it applies at almost every level of our lives where we get things in order and we think, I'm a good person. I'm doing all right with the Lord. I can allow this one high place. And I sometimes wonder if Asa wasn't thinking that. And then there are the, um, you know, there, there are the people that just never let things go. Have, have any of you ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? Maybe I'm aging myself here. Uh, and some of you maybe said, well, you know, Pastor, you're pretty good with me till I learned that you like that show because it's so idiotic. And it really is pretty, pretty inane. But one of the characters that I really enjoy in a weird way, is Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico got stuck on the timeline whenever his football team went to state. And, 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 he, and he injured his leg, and he said, if only I had played, we would have won the state champion. And it's like he went through the rest championship. He went through the rest of his life looking back on that achievement in that season and saying that really is a defining moment for me and it was like everything else was just sort of, well, it was like downhill. And there are things that we put in our minds that are places in the timeline or things about ourselves that maybe were a mark of achievement and we we're kind of like Uncle Rico just saying, man, it could have been glory, but... Well, maybe you're stuck in that way, and that high place is getting in the way. That memory of something, that identity of something is defining you in a way that, well, honestly, you're no longer there. You're not there. If you ever want to know whether or not you're there anymore, I discovered when a friend of mine said, you know, when you turn 50, things start to break down. And I'm like, nah, that can't happen. Well, now I found myself walking upstairs saying, man, I hate these stairs. And you realize that you change. Life changes. And you got to ask God in this moment, who am I supposed to be? When I could do all that stuff, perhaps. But who am I supposed to be? You're living somewhere else on the timeline. The second high place could perhaps be uh, this. And maybe this has happened during this season. Time of busyness. For, for some of us, it's been busier than, 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 than you would imagine. And so we get caught up in the busyness of things. And I know teachers especially have been in overdrive trying to keep up. But I know that applies to so many other areas as well. And as it does we can 
while we're not even thinking about it because we're just so busy checking boxes all the time, we sort of drift into unhealthy habits. And maybe, you know, we start binge-watching Netflix just to wind down, and all of a sudden it's starting to reshape even my attitude about things. Or maybe we're just eating too much, or maybe we're just doing something that you would say pre-COVID, I didn't used to do that. And I don't know what that is, but that could be something that you've been so busy you just haven't really thought about how it's affecting you. And maybe you have to take a step back and say, has that kind of become a high place that I need to knock down and get right with the Lord? Or maybe on the other end of the continuum is boredom. And so we just have this free space. And I I remember listening to a message by uh, Kyle Eidelman who uh, did a survey of people. And he basically just asked the question, How many of you since COVID have had a problem with pornography? And he said, it's amazing the number of people that said, yeah, didn't used to have this problem in my life, but now it's kind of surfaced. Now it's getting in the way. Well, because you have the time to do stuff that you couldn't do before, maybe that's become a high place, and God is saying something about it. Maybe it's a good thing. I mean, believe me. I think anything in moderation, especially when it comes to, you know, TV or eating, um, anything that is good and wholesome in moderation, you should do. But anything that you've taken to an extreme and it's replaced something else, you need to rethink it. We're called to demolish those high places. And in this season, a high place may have come up in your life. The one universal that I seem to hear about a lot is fear. And maybe this pandemic has conditioned you so much. All of uncertainty, you're saying, well, at least the one thing, even though my boss keeps changing expectations all the time, There's one thing I can count on is my fear. My fear will never abandon me. It'll never leave me. It's always there. I can always count on my fear. And maybe some of you can relate to that. But whatever it is, God knows you and God loves you. And sometimes God will even take somebody close to you and call you out. But maybe some of us need to take somebody close to us and say, what have you seen change in me in the last six months? And has it been a good thing? You know, the last thing I'd ever want people to say was that Leonard did a good job clearing house and getting things in order except there was a high place or two that he left standing. At the end of the day, God is saying, we need to turn away from everything that's keeping us from him and make him our priority. And when we do, we can be like those people on Mount Gerizim shouting the blessing 
because we know that getting right with God and having our lives sourced in God will elicit the blessings from God even though we live in a broken and fallen world we will have struggles but in the midst of them we can have a peace that passes all understanding we can have the fruit of the spirit we can face all of these things with a, a mind that will endure it and so I guess my call at the end of this sermon if I were to give one is when we when we go into our time of communion I want you to ask one simple question of the Lord God is there a high place in my life that I need to deal with and if there is give me the grace and the help to do what I need to do so that that space that inhabits the wrong thing can inhabit the right thing which is you so I'm just going to shift right into communion right now because essentially everything that I've just said in demolishing the strongholds and the high places and the things that set them th themselves up against the things of God, it is only by the blood of Jesus that we are more than conquerors. It is only in the strength of Christ that we can face these impossible calls and tasks that God gives for you and I. When we take the bread out of the container, in the weird way that we're doing it right now, because our world is disrupted, but our God still reigns, we remind ourselves, however we do it, Somebody told me last week that they didn't have any grape juice at home, and so they had to use cranberry juice. Can you imagine cranberry juice? Now, I guess maybe that would offend some sensibilities, and others are like, what's the problem? There isn't a magic in the juice or the bread. But there is a symbolism that God empowers through the ritual that brings us close. And so as we take of the loaf and we eat it together, we're reminded of that symbolism. A God's body broken for you and I. And as we take the cup, we remember the blood of Christ is what purchases us and makes us his children. And as we take a minute to give thanks, we also ask you, dear, dear Lord, just reveal to us those things that you would call high places and help us to call them that as well. And then remove them in your strength, in your grace, your way. As we surrender all to you, in Jesus' name, amen.
you want to go ahead and stand, we'll close.
your spirit strong in me my flesh may fail but my God you never will God we love you just go with us this week help us keep you first in everything to tear down those high places in our lives God hard as it is, as hard as it is help us lean into you into your strength to get us through it god we love you i pray for everybody here for their week for blessings on it and good and bad god just help us keep our eyes on you we love you we praise and thank you for this morning amen see y'all next week